0: IV Coaches presents. Hello, IV Coaches listeners. This is a new series by Coach Pedari, who is a professional certified coach by ICF, with 12 years in leadership and 5 years in coaching. He will be interviewing his peer executive coaches have spent years helping organizations and individuals grow their business and achieve their goals. Please join us for this week's interview with Coach Pedari.
1: Well, here we are once again in another episode and a podcast with another inspirational and totally amazing person. Now, this person, um, I got to know him only a year ago in uh, in the world of sports. Uh, somehow we crossed um, roads in the King of Saudi Arabia uh, during one of my visits, and um, I'd like to welcome to this podcast, uh, Coach Michael Moore. How are you, Michael?
0: I'm good, thank you, and thank you for the invite. Um, I'm in good, good spirits today, good form, and I'm happy to be here speaking with you.
1: Well, I know that you're in a, in a place where it's a couple of degrees cooler than where I am right now, so you're back yeah. home, if I'm, if I'm right correct?
0: That's correct I'm back in Dublin at the moment um, and if I pointed the camera out there's plenty of rain and plenty of wind and I'd prefer to be in your climate you know but um, it's good to be back in the city you know it's good to be back home.
1: Well it's good to have you I know you're a busy man and um, I'm really grateful for you uh, making time for for, you know to come to the podcast and share with us and the um, listeners and viewers your experience. Now Michael I don't know where to start but you know your experience is so vast and your career has been so amazing. Uh, touching on youth and foundation-based coaching uh, years ago, um, being involved in, you know, as a coach and a head coach for youth uh, is a very big um, learning, I, I believe, uh, within the coaching environment and world. You are also a business manager. You have projects ongoing, which you're gonna tell us more about it in a minute. And wow, the extensive years you spent. Uh, um, working with the Football Association of Ireland, and th- that's, that's really um, something which uh, raised the eyebrow. Um, and today, you're heading the academy uh, um, business, uh, obviously, at uh, the academy world within the Juventus, uh, Saudi Arabia, in Riyadh. What a journey! What a journey! Um, tell us more. I mean, who is my, Coach okay. Michael? And, and, okay.
0: Um, where do we start now? You're making me feel old, you know? So um, just a brief outline of my journey in, in coaching. Well, before that, obviously, I played football um, as a young child and into my um, teenage years. Um, I soon realised I wasn't going to be the next David Beckham, so I had to rethink my plan. And um, So that's when, in the year 2000, I moved from playing football into becoming a coach, and um, just after I had trials with Aston Villa in Coventry, that didn't work out. So I really had to really rethink where I was going to be, and, and I wanted to stay in football. So in the year two thousand, I joined, went to college, and started studying sports management, and that's where I started to really see the benefits of college because I was beginning to network with people, you know, in sport. And I was getting my qualifications at the same time. And then I was getting my name and I was getting to be seen around Dublin. So after getting my qualifications, I connected with a lot of people early in the Football Association of Ireland and started doing um, subcontract work with them, you know, um, assisting them on all the programmes from community development to player development to scouting for the national team. Um, and then that's when I decided to set up my own football business where I would um, manage and coach um, football programs with all different levels of football from foundation phase to youth to working with um, going into prisons, having had contracts in prisons, coaching them and youths that um, have found difficult times and found themselves in bad situations. And also working with people with disabilities as well, you know. So um, my experience goes from all levels of skills and experience. And, and the best years for me becoming a coach were these six years and working with all different abilities uh, and disabilities. From that, I then went into Shelburne Football Club, which is a professional league of Ireland club. And in um, around this time, they were very strong. They were. Um, getting into Champions League qualifications, playing Deportivo La Coruna. So I was head coach for the under-16s, 18s and and scouting for the 21s. And so then not long after that, um, because I built a good partnership with the Football Association of Ireland, we came to an agreement in 2006 that they thought it would be best for me to come in with them because everything that I was doing, they were doing, so we just joined forces. And with that, um. Again, I remained in in the capital of Dublin um, and I was working for the FUI doing coach education, club development and within the National Academy, which is um identifying, assessing players and I'm working one of our in one of our center of excellence with eighty players. And a lot of them players have pushed on now to get good careers in football. And as of now, now I'm over with um Juventus, and i an academy manager in Riyadh. So, there's, as you can see, uh, so uh, there was a lot of different experiences and different abilities and different aspects of the game, you know, and it's brought me to different countries, to America, to Europe, to nearly everywhere in the country and that. So, um you know, you have to always look back at your experience in order to move forward. You know, you've done things, and then they they'll fit in the future.
1: You know, uh, you know, you said that, you said few, many things uh, which resonate. Yeah, um, and I'm going to go back to that in a while. One thing which you just mentioned, which for me uh, um, plays a major role in, in anyone's yes. moving forward, is development. Um, so you had an, you have an immense experience. From grassroots foundation all the way to you know Correct, yeah. you know develop, beyond development and at the association level. This game and sports in general is a fast-changing environment. Mm-hmm. You know things which were about ten years ago might not be and not yeah. today, and for sure we're going to change another ten years. Mm-hmm. What advice or what best practice has, has been your you know as used? What guidelines in life have you had to ensure that you always continuously focus on your own development as a manager? Um, in this case, as a sports manager, but also for perhaps we have you know players or young athletes listening to you today, um, mm-hmm. and if they're looking up towards managers that you know they're going to learn from, what do you think is essential? What are the essential factors for? personal development and where do they come where do they stand uh, as a player okay. is this something okay. that goes back to you as a person or is something that organisations have to have as a responsibility or, yeah or...
0: I think um, as a player uh, as an athlete you have to you have to have a, a good mentality you know you have to and what's a good mentality you know there's strengths and weaknesses to mentality so it's it's a, a big statement to say to have a good mentality so um, I think first an athlete needs to be open to becoming better and that doesn't just mean being on the pitch they have to be open to become better off the pitch and that may mean building their personality working on the strengths and that and the weakness of their personality first and foremost for any athlete or a coach or a manager we're a person forced, you know so the first thing for me is um, I want to be able to communicate to them and they need to be able to communicate to me. So communication, how they communicate, they need to really always have that in the back of their mind to be able to communicate. So if so communication breaks down, they won't be able to show off any of their skills. You know, So that's the first thing I look at as, as for Natalie. What are they like as a person? And they look at me, what am I like as a person? I could have all the knowledge in the world, but if they don't like me, they're never gonna hear that knowledge. And I could be and that's basically it. they need to have a good cool way of communicating and interacting with people? And I've broken it into what I call when I'm working with a team or working with staff or working on a project, is is the pursuit of excellence. How do we get team excellence from, from me? from my staff, and from my players. And I've broken that into three pillars that I focus on. And the three pillars are, first, I need to create a learning environment. That's number one. Second, there needs to be harmony in the team. There needs to be harmony in the project. So we're all fighting, and there's a dislike, and it's not going to work. And the third end pillar is performance accountability where I have measures to evaluate and to make sure people are accountable on their performance. I found if we have them three pillars, that points us in the direction of success. doesn't guarantee it, but it will put us in front of success where we need to try and get. And then you have to decide, well, what is success? Is it an individual being successful? Is it a team being successful? Is it the staff or is it the project? So, for my pursuit of excellence, it's them three pillars. Learning environment, harmony, and performance accountability. And then that leads into seven, uh, seven critical elements to achieve that. Any questions on, on that?
1: Yeah, it's, it's a very, um, I mean, the three pillars are very clear. Um, and, yeah. and what makes me um, wonder is, how do you deal with it when you, Come into an environment which you haven't created and which you have been inherited. So, you know, you come into an environment and how, where do you start? So, okay. You start with issues and you want to go and implement. It okay, like well,
0: where do I start? If, if I'm handed over a new project, the first thing, and it's back to the, the first question you asked well, what does an athlete or a leader have to do? The very first thing I do is, is get to know people, you know. It's forget about the project, forget about the idea, the concept, or where whatever team we are is. We need to get to know them and what type of person they are, and what qualities do they have. Are they committed? Are they positive people? Are they negative people? You know. So then, when I get to know people, you know, them through basically sitting down and listening to them and talking to them, observing their, their, them as a person, and just getting to know them, then. After observing them, then I would formalize my plan. And my framework for starting a project is, is I focus on, on seven critical elements. The first one being commitment, second one being focus, connection, third, confidence, fourth, positive images, five, mental readiness, six, distraction control and seven, ongoing learning. So, um, and that takes time, you know, them seven elements take time. Uh, and I would always start with commitment first. And so if I work with a team, I'm after getting to know them. I'm um, so well, so I know the players, and um, they know me, and um, the environment now is, there's talking, there's communication. So that's the first thing that I look to get. So then, the first step is, is, is to focus in on commitment to our project. So if I put it in the context of um, a team, we would have team meetings around the word commitment. Um, but before we commit, we have to identify well, what are we committing to. Um, commitment is not just saying, well, we're going to do this for six weeks. There's more to it. There has to be a purpose behind the commitment. Which you will be well aware of. And that's the drive for any player or athlete or person. So if we identify the, the reason for commitment, well then we're starting goal setting already within that. You know, personal goal setting, team goal setting, you know. So when we identify what we want to commit to, we give that commitment through conversation. And then the coaches and the staff go away to set out the requirements to achieve and excel to get that, to reach that commitment. So there's more work to it, you know, than just committing. And then a, a big part for me in the, in the commitment phase is persistence. We're going to be faced with obstacles, you know, um, that are internal or external. We have to identify and then analyze them and see, well, is it, is it, is it us or is it them or is it the opposition? Or is it an outside influence? So commitment for me is identifying what we're committing to, setting out the requirements, and then persistence in that. And within that framework, you know, um, I would have vision reminders because we've identified our vision. So in order to commit and recommit and, and near enough refocus, we would have a calendar where we would have meetings bring them back to the meeting number one on commitment so just reminders on commitment does, think, does that make sense does it like it, it does makes, I mean
1: you know I think yeah. um, for, for anyone who um, has enjoyed the success um, commitment and persistency uh, or consistency is, is an element that cannot be substituted um, well hard work is important but however um, if there is no the commitment has to be there every day from from the players from the managers um Mm. and i think that's what you know most people perhaps don't reach their goals because their 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 commitment levels perhaps are highs and lows and my question is how do you keep a commitment level Mm -hmm. at high is it and you know having worked with with the different levels of, of of athletes um as you have is it a natural given gift is it you know or is no. it something they develop and it's something that um, young athletes can listen to and say okay commitment yeah. is something that I can actually work on yeah it well to keep commitment
0: high yeah yeah exactly to keep commitment high I ensure within the commitment um, plan That there has to be a real purpose to what they're doing. So, I'm giving a personal purpose to each player, you know, that drives them to remain committed. They have to be getting something out of it. For me to do it, like a transaction of commitment, they're giving me something. I need to give them something. And then, as a young athlete and as a person, we all want a reward of some sort. So, purpose, reward, and success that's how we maintain. And keep commitment. Now there could be issues where that we cannot control, and then we have to look deeper into that. But to answer your question, how do you keep the high levels of commitment? Purpose. There has to be a purpose and an end goal to the commitment. If they're just training to train, commitment will go. If they're training to compete, well then they're competing for something. So train or commitment should stay if they're training to win well then their commitment levels are higher now they're now a winning team They're not just competing but com- competing and winning there's the purpose you know and then as becoming an individual become better
1: and i and I, I can't agree more with you when you say purpose you know i think yeah. uh, everything in life starts with purpose and of course yeah, yeah. seeing kids uh, not knowing sometimes why they're playing or why they are actually put in the position of, of pursuing uh, an mm. athletic career is where perhaps the starting error is. And what is uh, the, the, the you know the, I think one of the most important jobs for a coach or an athletic or, or athletics expert is to identify if the, that person is on the right purpose and also see if they can come to the, to the to the core uh, purpose in life of that <laughs> of that specific athlete. Um, yeah, um, I'm okay. going to say Shelbourne Football Club.
0: Shelbourne yes. Shelbourne.
1: That's it. Yes. Yeah. Um, any memories that you want to share with us out of your sure, years
0: yeah. of yeah. coaching at that Yeah. Well, I, I, memories both as a as a player, uh, as a supporter, and as a coach. So uh, I'm, I'm deeply connected to Shelbourne Football Club. You know, but as a coach, yeah, and. It was, a, it was a step into elite football. My purpose now was to develop, identify and develop players for under 16 and under 18, hopefully to go to under 21. So the commitment, I knew straight away. So that's the force element for me in my journey, commitment. I was told from the very start, Michael, identify for the under 16s, develop and, and push them into the under 18s. You'll be taken over the under 18s. So therefore, you're developing for yourself to take over. So they knew to put a big goal and a big objective for me to make sure that I worked hard and remained focused. So um, and I was, we were reaching very deep into into Dublin football, into the football grassroots networks. You know, so we're meeting all different levels of players. So I had to identify players that had. And um, what we call a rough diamond. They had bits of potential, but there was a lot more. Or some that didn't show potential as on the field, but their personality and their qualities showed they could become a good player because they had drive and determination. So um it was a great learning experience um, for me in Shelbourne, being around the under-20s, 21s. And being close to the the force team training because what was good about the academy there, they all trained side by side. The senior team twenty ones, 16s. So you could all the players could look around and see each other, and it was like a beehive of energy, you know. So that's there the two things that I got out of, out of it was energy and just understanding players, you know, at such a crucial age, 16s and 18s, you know.
1: Michael, uh, through life, you know, we always set some uh, examples, right? And also we become examples, hopefully for others. I'm sure you are for many people who follow your leadership at the the Mm -hmm. academy level today. And um, who have you had as inspiration? you, you, You know, if I would say the three people who played a role in your life, uh, that inspired you uh, okay. to the man you are today? Who would
0: okay, be? Uh, as, a, as a coach?
1: As a coach, as a, person, as a man,
0: yeah.
1: as, a, as a member of the local society. Okay, well, my
0: inspiration, obviously, I, I will have to say my parents are going to be first, my mother and father, you know, um, I will never look past them first, you know, um, why I'm here today is because of them um, from them being nice people and helping me and always support me to push me on I, I, I'm, and and telling me to be ambitious and always dream, you know, and I, I try and chase that dream, you know. And um, then within Irish football, there was a, a friend of mine. Um, his name was John Bradley. Um, he was known in Irish football as Bower Bradley. Um, I only came became friends with him probably around. Twelve years ago, uh, and he was in his seventies, you know. Uh, and I met him at a meeting, and we just clicked. And the amount of knowledge that I learned from him, just from how he communicated with people, how he listened to people, and then the knowledge that he had about football, you know. And he was—he's actually one responsible for, for finding Damien Duff uh, and Robbie Keane. And um, he would have cycled out, seen them play, cycled out of the houses, knocked on the door and got them into his local club, you know. So this was a guy that could spot um, potential at a very young age. And then he was able to nurture it and push it on. And then from a professional perspective, Alex Ferguson, um, I would always, um, what I liked about Alex was um how he controlled every well. How he he always managed to, to when players became too big. He knew how to handle them without without it becoming a problem to Manchester United. You know, Alex Ferguson. He always yeah. kept control of everything. You know, and then he always used a word called the romance of Manchester United. So he he loved Manchester United you know, and he's seeing that there was heritage and tradition. And I like that. I like reflecting back on history. I like history as a subject anyway, uh, not in football. And um, So with Alex Ferguson, it was control and he had the romance and the connection to his club. And no matter what project I get involved in, I want to have them connections. You know, I want to be part of the control, but I want... I want to love the project because if there's love in the project, then people care. And he cared about his, his position and the club.
1: Well, yeah, who, who cannot resonate with that? And uh, yeah, yeah. definitely a man and a leader who many watch, many watched, and many um, tried to learn from, and many have learned. Now, talking about history, what got you into managing we know that you've been um, in football okay. and you go back a long time. But what what got you, what, what was the interesting, um, you know, the fun element of getting into uh, okay. the role of managing um, other people? It's not an easy job.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a good question. Well, I do remember vaguely when I was young, I remember going to the Ireland, Ireland then, international matches and the match would be on and I'd sometimes now looking back, remember looking down on the sideline and watching the staff and I thought nothing of it then and then I started playing. So what got me into into management and coaching? Well, there's more to this story than just actually loving the game. So when I stopped playing football um, me and my Mrs. Jen, you know, um, we had our, our daughter at 18 years of age. You know, so now my life changed for the better and basically I wanted to stay in football but then I wouldn't have the time to commit to it and I wasn't going to give commitment to something that I couldn't become professional but then Jen said to me or she spotted the course in Dublin and says would would you like to become a coach and I says I don't know about that do you want to become a manager no I don't know and she left the book on the table and I picked up the book, read the book and says, hmm, I think I might like that. So I went to the course, done an interview and, and it all started. And I then noticed I started to like to lead in a good way and lead for the reason to help people succeed in a group. Because it's a good feeling when a team wins something. That's a good feeling. You know, I, I really think it's not about me leading to say, well, i done it. It's when you look around and everyone feels, well, we're after doing great here. Let's do better again. So how I got into it really would be because of my wife. That's the truth of it. Amazing. She said to me, there, there's a course. Would you be interested? And I says, mm. okay. And, and that was it. And I have a look back and I built friends in that university. I've worked with them ever since. You know. So that's the reality of it. There was no... No major sort of, um, nothing fancy. It was just, my wife said, You love football. I'm going to support you in it. Have a look at that. I would never have found in that course so how. I That's wouldn't amazing. have researched it. She found it for me, and this is it.
1: <laughs> so, That's amazing. That's amazing. I think there's a lot of people right now uh, who listen and watch you and feel a bit uh, envious yeah. so or jealous because it's like, um, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah. that support is, um, is, is essential it's, uh, it's, a, it's a make thing. or break and I think um, that brings the value of the family and also how mm. we face things together so really really beautiful yeah, Well, any,
0: any project that I would, would do I always bring it back to the values of a family you know I treat people the way I want to be treated and treat my family and if people disrespect that well then you deal with that you know, and you can deal with it harshly. You know, but it depends on the magnitude of the situation. But for me, a good, strong family, working as a team—that's a good thing. And it's hard to find that. Because sometimes there's people that break the trust of the family within this, the, the the coaching staff, and that's a problem. That's back to Alex Ferguson. If you break it down, if you don't, if you're not in, and you disconnect, you're gone. You know, so. The real,
1: you mentioned another important word, which is values, besides purpose. Yeah. So, you know, you're, you're mm-hmm. touching a lot on, on, on the core of, of what life coaching is all about as well, and also mm-hmm. coaching, as a matter of fact. Mm-hmm. Now, when you say values, there's nothing more important to live. And, and you started the podcast by saying people first. You use the fact, yeah, the word with people in front of the forefront of anything. And I think that's yes. where a lot of organizations and businesses fail or um, fail to deliver in the long term because Mm. the human aspect or attention to people first is not there now has there ever been so far an experience in your life as a manager that you were not able to help someone that you really really tried to for reasons that you know yeah has there in any such situation that when you look back with your experience you would say You still say I could have done more or not. Join us on the next episode for the rest of the discussion.